Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I am Alex. I am Tim. Today we are going to have a jam-packed episode. First, we're going to talk about F9, the Fast Saga. Uh, excuse thank me. You for, yeah, thank you for saying its correct name. I know, right? But I, 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 I misspoke from how I normally intro our episode, so I'm going to say Justin Lin's F9, the Fast Saga. Nice work. And then we're going to move on to Kate Shoreland's Black Widow. Nice work. <laughs> but, Nicely uh, done. Yeah. Uh, before we get to all that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Please write to us, let us know what you think of our show or the things that we talk about. Please check out mpn.bz slash Patreon or patreon.com slash MidwestPodNet. Consider giving us even just as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate any and all contributions to the Patreon. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, the Midwest Game Nerds podcast. We most recently talked a little bit about um, Mario Golf Super, Super Rush, which is the most recent Mario Golf game. Um, I've played that one a couple times. It's I, I bought it, and yeah, it, it's fun. Yeah, I hadn't actually played it before we t- we recorded. John mostly carried that discussion, and uh, it seems like a Mario Golf game, which it is, does. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and You know uh, what you're getting, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think this upcoming week, none of us have really been paying, playing anything, so it's going to be an interesting one. Tune in this weekend to find out what we talk Ooh, about on the Midwest mystery. Game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh tim what's been going on with the horror movie yearbook uh horror movie yearbook we just watched a a very happy movie something to brighten everybody's day black <laughs> death starring sean bean um we did some fun stuff on there we did a sean bean bracket of death where we tried to pick out the best sean bean death scene out of his over 20 death scenes that mm-hmm. he's had in his time as an actor then we also released a tiny terror that covers a little bit of Fear Street. We didn't talk about much because, uh, as and as listeners know, we record these with uh, parents, and Willie hadn't finished it yet. He had been watching in segments, so <laughs> so that's that seems to be how parents watch movies. Yes, like in fifteen to twenty minute segments. So I think he's finished it by now, and I think he's finished Fear Street seventy eight. But we talk about a little bit of Fear Street. We talked also about uh, Richard Donner the director of movies like Lethal Weapon, and then, of course, for horror fans, uh, the producer of The Lost Boys as well. So we talked quite a bit about that. But yeah, those are both out now. Yes, pour one out for Richard Donner. Uh, yes. the, the late, the great Richard Donner. Great stories about him out there. We talked about a few on the Discord as well. So, um, Yeah, no, the Fear Street stuff, real quick, we're not really going to do what we've been watching, but I also have been partaking in the Fear Street uh, films, and uh, it's been fun doing like a weekly release of a trilogy of movies. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, Uh, how do you feel about that? I guess that's like the talking point we can talk about without like spoiling the movies. Yeah, no, I mean, I think knowing that it was three, like, can not that like fear street is star wars but like think about like a new hope empire strikes back and return of the jedi coming out a week between each other like it's it's cool it's like i i don't know and it's kind of strange it's basically just like netflix doesn't really do weekly drops on shows i guess not for like their drama there, are some there might they do but not yeah. the big stuff the big stuff they drop all at once usually right yes yeah they usually do like the binge model and this is maybe there's some people like theorizing that this might be them testing out kind of like a weekly thing mm. but it's been kind of interesting just being like we all watch this thing people are talking about it on the internet and you know it's just kind of 
it's it's fun. It's kind of like there's touches of that like appointment viewing that are still kind of showing up that we've gotten away from a lot with all these you know streaming services. So I've I've enjoyed being like, oh man, that the next chapter of Fear Street's out this week. Um, and so you know we're recording this on on Friday. I think Fear Street sixteen sixty six dropped at some point today, but I have not watched it yet. So yeah, me neither. No. Excited to see how uh, how that finishes up, and uh, you know what kind of uh, sick needle drops are going to be in in this one <laughs> for the sixteen sixty six. Yeah, I don't version. know enough about classical music to be like, oh, I can't wait to hear some uh, German guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Drop some sick Mozart here. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be either fun. that. There, either that, or there. There's probably going to be some like sad, like like religious singing. Yeah, some ancient lamentation music, maybe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, I think uh, we should probably get moving on these heavy hitters of some films that we've got to talk about. So let's do it. Let's get into Justin Lin's F Nine: The Fast Saga. You're right. The titles of the series just continue to completely change every time. They have um, been. They're very important. <laughs> To the movies, but they have overtaken the Rambo series as like the most insane titling <laughs> uh, that you can get. Because yeah, Rambo was like Rambo, or it was First Blood, and then First Blood Part Two, yes. and then Rambo Three, and then back to Rambo. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe if Rambo kept going, but like, there's been there's nine of these movies now, and it's just been different every time, and it's great <laughs> and horrible at the same time. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yes, the IMDb synopsis says, Cypher enlists the help of Jacob, Dom's younger brother, to take revenge on Dom and his team. Uh, I don't think that's... Oh, is that a, it? That's, that's all it says, and it's kind of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know what to say about that, but, uh, yes, this film stars Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, much of the fast crew. I don't want to necessarily spoil anything for those who have stayed clear of some of the trailers. Um, cause you know, that is the right way to go. But, uh, yeah, the ninth, ninth entry in the fast saga, 20 years after the first film came out, uh, Tim, I know the series is very close to your heart. And, uh, honestly, I don't think that I had seen a fast movie until after the film nerds had begun. Um, yeah. Did you jump on? I jumped after on five? after five. I think okay, six so you, is yep. the first one I saw in theaters. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but, okay. uh, and you know, my brother is Andy. He's a, he's a pretty good, big car guy. So I knew the first one existed and what it was about and stuff like that. But I don't think I ever really sat down and watched it until I watched one through five. Without watch, I don't think I watched Tokyo Drift until until after after six and before seven. Whenever that divide is, I can't even remember because the timeline is also as crazy as the naming conventions. <laughs> oh, oh, we will discuss the timeline of these <laughs> movies in this. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, no. So I, my, I, I'm a uh, my my uh, adoration of the series is only you know maybe eight or so years old, probably even young, like six seven years old at this point but uh what about you as a longtime my, fan of the series how did how did fast how did f9 the fast saga strike you so i yeah i have been with this one this with this franchise from the beginning I, obviously like and you didn't know like when i was watching 
the first three. The first three are weirdly like just not connected at all, mm-hmm. really in any way beyond maybe a couple characters popping up yeah. in different ones. So it's not really until four that you kind of get it like it kind of four is that weird kind of like elbow. Yeah. From one that trilogy that kind of propels it into what it's become now. So it it wasn't really like a franchise until probably four and then five because five five kind of five got a lot more on board. Um, this has always been a, a silly franchise. Mm-hmm. Even even though I love it, like it's it's silly, it's fun. But this is uh, Fast Nine is probably the silliest in the silly franchise. Um, what's I saw this about a month back though, so. I'm counting on you to kind of refresh my memory in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I'm only like, as I think back on it and it's a classic fast move, I'm only remembering the stuff that I really, really liked and really had fun <laughs> watching. Like, So I, I remember getting out of this and turning um, to my wife and my brother, Nick, who we all went and saw it together and going like, I think th- like that was my least favorite of these. I'm like, that was, it was a step too silly for what, for, mm. well, reasons we'll get into later um <laughs> this is the first one that kind of does straight up irony at points and i'm not sure i like that i'm not sure i liked the characters becoming self-aware at certain yeah, points yeah it kind of I, I like my fast movies play get straight in earnest a little more than what happened a couple times in this i understand why they did it it's a different writer or writing group too because chris morgan who was the writer of everything after part two mm-hmm. so he came on for Tokyo Drift, yeah. Tokyo Drift, and kind of continued it from there. He's not back in this one, and like once I saw that um, after watching it, I went, "Okay, it kind of makes sense because there are characters that kind of feel off to me. Like Dom feels a little bit off to me. He's a little bit more sour, I guess, in this one um, than normal." Yeah, uh, for and me. we should say that the 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 theory is that Chris Morgan did not come back because he he's a traitor and wrote Hobbs and Shaw. He hopped over to Hobbs and Shaw. I think Rock. <laughs> I think Rock brought him over to the Hobbs and Shaw, Shaw side of things. I'm not sure how this feud, where this feud is at mm-hmm. though, right now, as we head into the final Fast movies post Hobbs and Shaw, because there have been. It seems like the ice is thawing in some ways. There yes. have been some liking of Vin and Rock's posts on Instagram. I've been monitoring it at all times. <laughs> um, so, so back to this. It's always it's always been a silly franchise. I think the big breaking point. For this franchise into just complete superhero mode is in part six, halfway through part six, when Dom jumps over a bridge and catches Letty mm-hmm. out of midair. Yeah. That scene, that's kind of where you go, okay, this is this is full on Marvel Comics. Yes. I think in this one though, it feels it feels closer to the triple X franchise than I like it to be <laughs> at times with certain things that happen. Um Justin Lin is back and he said in interviews, this is kind of him recalibrating the franchise. Yeah. He's bringing back certain characters and heading in to the home stretch. He's made, they've talked about making the final two movies here and kind of making this a, this is going to be the first movie in a capper trilogy, basically. On, sorry. It's just on, on 11 movies. It would be at this point, which is, yeah, so that's, funny. that's the weird thing is that it, they're, they're calling it part one and part two of a 10th film. At least that's what I'm seeing here on Wikipedia. Is check. that what they're going with? Okay. That, yeah. So I, I think, uh, and that comes from an article from June where Vin Diesel apparently said that, um, you know, the, I don't know, because the article is calling it Fast and Furious 10 and Fast and Furious 11. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm still not quite sure I what because Lynn and Diesel, if I recall correctly, Lynn Diesel and Paul Walker talked about 
capping this whole thing on a trilogy way back when. Yeah. Kind of like this. But also, I think you're right on kind of like a two parter like this. They've been talking about this two parter idea since like six or seven. Um, so I, it seems like he's kind of Justin Lin, who directed um, three, four, five and six is kind of re reestablishing control in a lot of ways of this yeah. franchise at times, because seven and eight are seven and eight are straight up cartoons. And mm-hmm. this one also is, but it also has stuff like those flashback scenes in this that try to add a little bit more, try to get it back to basics a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's completely successful just because it does at times feel like this weird, like two movies going on at once thing. Um, and I liked the flashback stuff quite a bit actually, but it doesn't, it doesn't really, this movie doesn't feel like a cohesive movie at times, It, but it feels more like a bunch of scenes kind of tacked together. But honestly, that's most blockbusters these days. Like yeah. it, it, it is kind of, that is kind of similar. Um, so yeah, just to wrap up my non-spoiler thoughts, I don't think you can ever lob like a lazy tag at the fast movies. Like they're, <laughs> they're always trying. So uh, the, like the family stuff, the family stuff is ridiculous and it's become a meme like D- Dom and his family. Yes. But it, it kind of still works for me just because it does kind of tap into kind of like a human a human element, a human feeling of like, it's these people he grew up with. It's these people that are his family. It's not necessarily his actual family, but it's, it's people that he came up with. And now it's, he's out in this big world of ridiculous, ridiculous CIA stuff going on, but he still wants to keep a core of home. And I kind of like that. Um, I also like that these have just become like Marvel characters at this point. And like specifically the Marvel characters work because it's like Iron Man and Spider-Man are just normal dudes. Most of the time Mm -hmm. caught up in this whole big thing that's bigger than them. And it still kind of works for me here. And I also liked the, the Justin Lin is a good action director. And I I liked the final action bit quite a bit. And I do like that. He tried to keep it carrier character oriented with some stuff. Um, And this does at least, I think it provides a focus on the last couple of movies too. So it does refocus a little bit. I'm just not sure. There's a lot of stuff that was just a step too far for me. So Yeah, I really hear you on that. Um, For a little bit of context, I went and saw The Fate of the Furious uh, in theaters. And when I walked out of it, I was pretty disappointed by it. Um, And I think I've figured out a little bit more about why I feel the way I feel about these movies in that I think being someone who hooked in before six hit and I think largely enjoyed six quite a bit. There's just this like trajectory that like five and six implied that was kind of like very much like, yes, these are bigger than life characters and, um, they're doing these insane James Bondish type missions, but it just worked really well and better than it ever should have for starting from a movie that was about stealing combo DVD VHS players. Um, and so after kind of five and six came out, I think seven and eight have just kind of been somewhat of a downward trend to me in some cases. I'm not saying that like, I didn't like seven at all because, and and even the same with eight, I think there were things that I enjoyed about both movies, but it took me two movies to learn that like, Oh, this isn't just always going to be, you know, 
<laughs> and I this is funny to say, but like grounded action with these big characters, you know? Right. And so say what you will about a hot rod blowing through the front of an aircraft like a large plane in at the end of 6, I think that was. But Yes. Um so I think 8 was where the nail finally hit the coffin and I realized like this isn't necessarily what I wanted it to be, but I rewatched 8 before I went and saw this this latest one and I enjoyed it more because I knew what it was. And you had properly prepared me before this one being like, this is the most cartoony of all of the movies. And so I kind of calibrated my own expectations. And this movie is extremely stupid in a lot of places, but it's a lot of fun. And and I enjoy it for what it is. And I still, there's part of me that still wishes that like they would have looked at fast five and really understood what about like there's parts of that movie that look and are very real because they very much like drove through the streets with like large objects towing behind their car like you can tell that there were parts of that movie that were shot and maybe things were added in digitally but they were very much doing a lot of it there and when it comes to seven eight and nine, six, seven, eight, and nine, it's like diminishing returns within that respect. I remember one of the things about eight that really bothered me was that when Cypher uses her system to like cause like a zombie horde of cars to like come after uh, the team as they're trying to intercept Dom or something, like you can just tell that it's like a bunch of CG cars that are like pouring out of buildings and things like that. And like, it's a really cool idea in my mind, but like there's, there's just that like disconnect of like, none of this looks real to me. So I can't really appreciate it for what it is. Right. And so like, I feel like with this movie, I was able to completely disassociate with the the idea that any of it could really feel real. (laughs) And therefore, I was just able to, like, sit there and enjoy and let it wash over me. And, uh, and you know. and But like you said, I really did enjoy a lot of the flashback stuff that kind of fills in things that were even spoken about in, like, the first movie, which is crazy. Yes. Um, that's really, <laughs> seen, really cool. I've seen people compare it to, like, the Clone Wars of the Fast <laughs> series. Like, it's the stuff people always talked about, the Dom beating that guy with a wrench yeah stuff. like it's the stuff they always talked about and like fans franchise wanted to see and then you get to see you can see more than i i anticipated <laughs> it's so. fucking ridiculous that there's like we're in the ninth entry of this series and there's like lore from before the <laughs> movies that we can like start to refer back to like people... i rewatched all of the main series before this and it was like picking up on stuff yeah that's great and, and it's in pieces and none of it makes really any sense if you like it falls apart completely. Yeah, if you think about it, but it's part of the fun too. Is the retconning. absolutely <laughs> there's like a lot of retconning and just like uh, references to different things and like one of the one of the things that I listen to the slash filmcast review and they call they call out the fact that like uh, I guess it might be I might be getting close to spoilers there. So let me co- I'll come back to that you point once we cross. Okay. Over. We'll, well, yeah, we'll cross over it real quick. But like I enjoyed this movie a lot. But I think expectations need to be calibrated kind of going into it. So hopefully if anybody here listening hasn't seen it yet, you can kind of go in expecting bigger and and 
more cartoony and just all of the bombast, all of that stuff, and appreciate that for what it is and not expect it to be something that it's not the way that I might have with previous entries in the series. Um, so, and, and cool. yeah, do you, do you have any final words? Of, like, how would you sum up your feelings about, about the movie for, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's weirdly enough because of the, yeah, the way it's structured is kind of, it's, it can be a little bit like a, like a collection of scenes. I think it might be one that I it actually bumps up on a rewatch just mm. because there mm-hmm. is certain stuff that I like a lot. And like you said, with fast eight, cause I was in the same boat with you at fast eight, fast eight was like the first time I ever felt let down yeah. uh, with a fast movie. And uh, then I re- went back and rewatched it before again. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Um, this is fun. So yeah, no, I think I'm good to spoil it. So, all right, I will say I am going to have uh, timestamps here. So, if you want to hear non spoilers for Black Widow, please check out the show notes. You can hop over oh. to that, and that way you can get straight to it. Not hear any of this spoilery Fast and F Nine the Fast Saga stuff that we're about to get into right now. Um, but what I was going to mention is that the the slash film guys um, called out the fact that like. In Tokyo Drift, those guys are supposed to be like high schoolers. And so yeah. like when when Lucas Black shows up in this movie looking like a forty year old dude, it's kinda weird. <laughs> and the like ages <laughs> like the timeline of this is blown up completely by Fast Nine. Because even the flashback stuff takes place in what nineteen is it nineteen eighty is it nineteen ninety eight it's supposed to take place in? I, you know what? I don't even know. I couldn't it, I don't know. I can't remember it's, exactly. It's com- it completely from yeah. what I remember of the first movie, it completely throws the timeline of like when the first movie is supposed to take place off. And then yeah, yeah, you're right with Tokyo Drift. I have no idea where Tokyo Drift <laughs> is supposed to take place. So we are in alternate universe territory at this point. Like, yeah. It, it's... This does this does not take this takes place in some sort of variation on our universe. <laughs> They've, they've like pulled Lucas Black or like in, in, yeah, the, the Tokyo Drift took place in a different variant right. timeline. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know. And Dom catching Luddy has thrown everything into whack. That was the Nexus event. <laughs> this has thrown all of this into whack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Him catching her started. Yeah. We'll pull in some Loki uh, terminology here. Um, <laughs> but no, I, yeah, like, <sighs> But the thing is, is I don't care. Like, it's great. I'm fine with it at this point. It's like that, like, this is a movie that like, I could have, I could have hated this movie simply off of like the treatment of what a magnet does and the rest of, and all of this movie. You went through my head a couple of times while I was watching this movie. As I was watching it, I was probably like, Tim is either like, Alex is either going to fucking hate this or he's going to love it. And you know what? I loved it. Cause it's like, who gives a fuck? It's great. Like they they get to throw cars over their own cars using fucking magnets. Like, all right, that's awesome. <laughs> I can't argue with it. Like, if that's how is, they want to get there, there's a lot of stuff in this movie where like the end justifies the means. Like, <laughs> yeah. because you end up going just like, oh well, yeah, Han is back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what we wanted. yeah, yeah. And I, like, I really, I that's the thing. I enjoyed your thoughts about like maybe they will use the Hobbs and Shaw technology stuff to like make paper over some of that type of thing. But like, you know, so they, okay. Where do you want to like what topic you because I had a couple on my mind. Uh, how do you want to go with space what, or Han first? We should probably talk about Han first, right? Yes, let's talk okay. about Han because okay. Han is wonderful and yes, yes. 
I, I think it's really nice to have them back, but I wish they would have been more considered about how they did it. Right. <laughs> I, so you, you have seen it more recently. This is what I was talking about when you're going to need to refresh my memory. Okay. Cause I remember thinking like during, while it was happening, like, this is so stupid that like <laughs> I just blocked it out of my memory and then went, well, Han is back. Like, I don't care. Like at the, at the end of the day, I get Han back, which is what I've wanted for yes. a couple of movies now. So he's working with the CIA during Tokyo Drift, correct? Yeah. He's working with Mr. Nobody to protect, um, is it Elle or Ellie? Uh, yeah, I can't, I don't even remember what uh, her okay. name the, is. But the younger girl. Yes, the, 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 the girl who, yes, Ellie, who is the key to the, the uh, McGuffin, Ares system. Called. Yeah. The Ares, yeah. Yeah, it, there, are, Mr. there are a ton of things they have to put together to get this to work. There's so many fucking proper nouns in this movie. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I, it's it, they made it the the way that they lay it out there is that Mr. Nobody hired Han because he had worked with Giselle. Is right. I think how the how Kurt Russell shows up again in this movie so and Giselle gave him it. a reference. It was like, so Giselle got a, like a reference bonus. It's, yeah. It's, it's for, a character reference. Yeah. A posthumous, a posthumous, <laughs> uh, uh, bonus for yeah. getting a referral. And yep. <laughs> so he's working with the CIA during Tokyo drift. Mm-hmm. So he's still hanging out with these high schoolers yes. at the same time. And the crash then. So yeah, this is what I don't get the crash then of Shaw. Like, was that a setup? Uh, there were mirrors involved. What's going to happen? So I don't think there's any, there, there's nothing in the text of the movie to tell you how any of it worked. I don't think there's anything there because they show a shot of like Shaw walking by and Han's not really in the car. Um, like as Shaw walks by, like you see Han in the overturned car, Shaw walks by and then Han's not there anymore. And so I don't know, like I, I, I had you basically, I think what they want you to assume is that Mr. Nobody used some technology to remotely pilot the car and put an image of Han in there. So, yeah, because then there is the there's the final credits or the post credits scene where Han that like Shaw's beating a guy up in a body bag like he's in a boxing bag. Yes. And and yeah, and Shaw um, Deckard Shaw. Is, this is also very interesting, though, but this was filmed around the time of the Rock and the Great Rock and Vin feud. So Shaw is the only one that makes an appearance, but mm-hmm. you can't bring back Shaw and not Hobbs. So I got a feeling Rock will be back anyway. Yeah. Um, so he's beating up a guy and then Han shows up and he busts in the door and that's where it ends. So we yeah. don't really know what's going on as of this point between Han and Shaw. Yeah, no, I guess that's true. Like they're, they're implying something there where like... Uh... I, the, the, and I'm forgetting a little bit about what we learn about Shaw because he was working for he was working as a super spy for somebody, right? And that we find out in eight. Yeah, he works for I believe the government. Then he was I don't remember the exact things, but he was essentially kicked out of whatever the spy organization. He worked for the British government, I believe, okay. and he was kicked out. He was for whatever reason, but it's like a reason that like Hobbs is like, yeah, this. I understand why he did this. <laughs> like yeah. I, understand, I get it, bro. And then yeah, okay. they team up. So I'm I'm wondering if uh, if I guess that's the other thing is like they could have coordinated on it somehow, but I don't know. Like yeah, it's it's all very very hazy and not well. 
explained probably because there's no good way to explain it (laughs) that's the thing thing is i don't like the way they did it but like i when i think back of other ways like of other ways they could do it it's not like any other ones are good i think there are some that might be better but i don't know (laughs) yeah no and you know the other thing is like like fucking han sent vin a a fucking postcard and vin didn't follow up with it at all (laughs) this so this is this honestly might be my main issue with the Han stuff is it turns like so Dom welcomes him into welcomes Deckard Shaw into the family in eight basically right I mean like and he and I thought the way they were going to explain the Han stuff is is somehow Mr. Nobody or somebody tip a Dom off and was like hey Han's still alive here like Han is out there somewhere like we faked his death or whatever like we know where Han is so that's why he was able to forgive Shaw, Shaw a little easier but the scene where Han comes back and is reintroduced vin like looks shocked and then dom looks shocked and then gives him a big hug correct yeah but but i do think there's like like he he talks about how he got that postcard the day after after han died and it right. was postmarked from tokyo or something like that so i right. don't really and but it was like a postcard wasn't it showing like a like a church in mexico or something i don't fucking know yeah it was a, yeah it was a church in mexico because remember he has the mexican flag outside of his okay apartment yep. in tokyo because yeah. by the way i like this i want to mention i want to specifically mention the scene i like the mia and letty scene because we don't they've been together in like six or seven movies now yeah. and we never see them together no. like we never like she's she's with dom and like they they have to be close but we never actually see them like hang out for a minute and i like that we got a scene of them just hanging out but they also show up in the exact right place to where to where they could just look up and see hans hans mexican flag they're like oh that's that's gotta be han the only mexican flag in tokyo you've been to tokyo correct yeah i have are there are there many mexican flags there i don't know i mean i would think there's more than one probably (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't stand out if i saw one all right yeah sure right also like yeah the idea that they're like well we've been looking here all day i don't know let's have some ramen and then they look up they're like there's a mexican flag (laughs) then they just go up there right (laughs) yeah yeah they're just like let's check this place out and they like break in they're not just like this is a this is a person from mexico who lives here now or this is just a big mexican like soccer fan (laughs) they're just like it's hot And maybe I mean it could have like I don't know. Maybe, I know there's something called the Tokyo American Club. Maybe this is the Tokyo Mexican Club. Mexican Club. And that's just where Han <laughs> was hanging out. So so yeah, I think that's yeah. So that, that's about it. I think it, for me, as far it's just nice to have Han back, and it, he's he's, he, he's still yes. hot. Yes, the the whatever buffoonery needed to be sanctioned to bring him to us. Uh, it's nice to have him back for sure. And I and I think. Uh, Especially because, like, I have to appreciate what Lin was able to do to, like, I mean, he's responsible for Han's death in Tokyo Drift. That's the first movie that he directed in the series, right? So, but, like, being, deciding, like, the choice to, like, take five and, and make it a prequel, or not a prequel, to fuck with the timeline, basically, like... He did he did such a good job of like making a character who is from one of his other projects even as you have referenced before uh, probably on this podcast and in the Discord. Um Right. Uh, to, better luck tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. 
to, to, to make Han like an important character and somebody that people enjoyed and then like have him like ripped away from, from us. And like, I don't know. It's, this is just another singular experience in film where like these movies are so far up their own ass, like several times over that, like <laughs> they just did very interesting things to like, make you care about these characters. And then also to like make you anger with Shaw and then Shaw becomes part of the team. It's like, it's, it's insane. I, yeah. <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around it. I can't use words to describe any of it, really. So, yes. Uh, what should we talk about? Should we you, talk you, about space? space was, yeah, space, I think, is a big one. I also, before we end, yeah. I want you to remind me, we should also talk about uh, Queenie. Um, okay, so I went to the bathroom during this part, though. So. <sighs> Tim, 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 <laughs> I, know, I, I never... This- I got this seen, reaction after. I have never seen Vin Diesel have more chemistry with anybody than with fucking Helen Mirren. <laughs> like it, it, I don't. I do, I mean, it maybe it, maybe she just gets to do all of the heavy lifting, but there's it, like a fucking smile that comes across his face in those scenes that you never see anywhere else in any of his other movies. Maybe on his Facebook posts, but like <laughs> when he's talking about his music. Yes, or exactly. yeah, when he's speaking about his music. So, yeah, I went to the bathroom during this part because I got I basically got told this uh, by the people I went with as well. That like, oh, you missed kind of a fun you missed a very fun scene. I think the other thing that makes it so glaring, too, is Dom is such a, a such a sourpuss in this movie yeah. for most of it because of the Jacob stuff. And just and just in general, Vince performance is is just very dour yes. at times. So I think, I think him lightening, uh, lightening up a little bit, um, during that is probably, that's probably yeah, why glaring. it sticks out. But like, right. yeah, I don't know if they need like a spinoff series together or something like, Dom I've and, got some Dom spinoff and, ideas. I'll, I'll Dom shoot and out Queenie. Later. Yeah. <laughs> Dom, Dom and Queenie, Queenie and Hobbs and Shaw are the two <laughs> spinoff series, but, oh, uh, man. Yeah. boy, uh, yeah. Space. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so space this is a bit this has been kind of a, a thing amongst uh view franchise fans fast fans the last few movies because as they've gotten more ridiculous people are just like oh you should just do one in space like you should because like that's kind of everybody's joke or tra- like I mean, reference there's been a trajectory like we went from yes. from stealing well, a bank vault in five to like crashing out of a very large plane in six and like all the way to like a fucking sub nuclear submarine in eight. So like, and you they bring in the God's Eye stuff, which yes. is based off of like satellites and all that. It messes with and all that. So it's it's a natural progression. Absolutely. I've always gone back and forth on this because I think it may be just me. I'm an I'm an original, an OG uh, Fast and Furious fan. Yes. Like I've been ride or die since part one. And like, there's part of me that goes like. Well, this a lot of this sounds like people that jumped on around five yep. and then are like, as this gets more ridiculous, they're just like they're using it as a way to kind of make fun and make jokes about about this thing that for some reason I love <laughs> like, <laughs> that I can't really properly explain. But there is then there's finally this like, yeah, just just do the space thing. Let's get it over with. So they do the space thing here. And I'm happy Justin Lin is the one to do it. This is kind of the stuff, though, where I went, OK, this is very silly. This is also very silly. Um and it's also kind of wink wink. I do love that Roman and Tej were the two characters that went to space. And there's a line too where like there's a great meta moment where mm-hmm. Ludacris 
and Tyrese, the actors, are in there. And uh, Tej, Ludacris' character, says, like, we were just, we're two guys from the hood and look at us now. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that, that just won me over completely. Like, here is Ludacris and Tyrese in a movie where they're driving a car through space. And then they kind of, they, they don't drive. A Pontiac Fiero, mind you. A Pontiac Fiero <laughs> that has been souped up by the Tokyo Drift guys, one of them being Bow Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that has been souped up to go into space and i'm just like yeah what a great lie that was what a great moment and, and it was it was very uplifting it was something i needed i think because it was just silly and i and and also and kind of weirdly touching for me in a way because yeah i mean they started they started out where they started out and they were rappers and singers for a while and then now they're in space in this giant blockbuster movie it's hilarious <laughs> to me yeah, you know, and that's, yeah, once again, probably another moment with the space thing where you were kind of like, Alex is either going to love this or hate this. And it's yeah. like, it's it's so stupid. But <laughs> at the same time, like, I don't know, the Fiero is a great comedic aspect of it. The fact that they're in, like, old scuba suits for some fucking reason, also good. Uh, the fact that they, like, end up at the fucking International Space Station or whatever to get rescued, like... They stay for like two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're stuck. Like, can you imagine being a fucking astronaut and then like Tyree, fucking, fucking uh, Roman shows up and is like, "I need to eat everything here." And uh, no, it's it like it's so. I think the main thing about it though is that it's just so completely unnecessary. <laughs> like it is just the most like. It, we're going to let the ground team like kind of fail and like, they're going to be the saving grace because they can drive a Fiero through the satellite. But like the fact that those words just came out of my mouth are make, making me be like, <laughs> I don't really care. Like it's, it's <laughs> stupid, but it's fucking hilarious. Right. So yeah, like I, I I'm pretty sure uh, like those words probably come out of my mouth in the fast six review that we did where I'm like, I can't wait until they go to space. I was probably the one of the first people that said it where you were like, you're not a true fucking I'm, fan, yeah. you casual. <laughs> I've been here for 10 goddamn years of my life. You're going to walk in. Yeah. I was around when they were just calling this a point break ripoff. Was, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, uh, but no, like it, it, I, we can talk about that a little bit too. Like there, there were moments when at the beginning of this movie, when Tyrese, is literally running in front of a Jeep where there are people maybe 15 feet behind him that can't hit him with a fucking assault rifle. Like, I was <laughs> oh, like... Oh, we do need to talk about that, yeah. yeah. that was the irony stuff I was talking about, Absolutely. the self-referential stuff. Yes, yeah. like, it, 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 I was, I was, this was the closest I got to being even somehow more broken out of the fact that I was like, this is going to be cartoony and dumb. I was like, okay, really? Like, he's yeah. right fucking there. But then... Somehow the fact that they turn it around into, like, this rumination of, like, are we just invincible? Like, it, I I appreciate it, but also, like you're saying, like, it's a, it's almost a step too far for the series to go. Yeah. It's it's also the, I, it's the first time I can remember, like, well, it's where, like, Roman especially, but at any of the fast characters, like, deal with mortality. Like, the fact <laughs> that, like, they, we could die here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like what, what's, what are we going to leave behind? Um, is that particularly deep? I guess the other thing too is there is a part of me that goes, man, like, I, cause Mr. Nobody is still around. Oh, Russell sure. character is still yeah. around. He, they are setting him up as the big bad to me because you have to end this series with like the outlaws taking down the man. 
like taking down Mr. Oh, Nobody. That would be sweet. <laughs> like that to me, like they have like they're wor- they're essentially working for the man right now. Yeah. A lot of the time they're working for Mr. Nobody. They need to get back to like like taking him down like that's like that's who these characters are and i think that's i think it's setting up to realize that because mr nobody is still around and then there's also part of me that's like yeah you know what maybe maybe roman is onto something like maybe he's been like experimenting on them and that like maybe around like when he shows up and before he shows up like he's like stalking around and like shooting them shooting him full of like i don't know some needle with invincibility juice or whatever oh <laughs> like, my god this is so fucking like metal gear solid that i'm all for it it'd be so good <laughs> so so that's yeah that's my big theory and my other big theory coming out of this is so we haven't seen the last of cypher yet there's part of me that mm. thinks that cypher is going to work with the crew in the last movie uh, like somehow i don't think she's going to be a part of it but i think they're going to lean on her they're going to need her for something to kind of help take down mr nobody i think she's going to be the big bad in 11 or 10 (laughs) yeah but 11 when they take on and that's my other thing is like i have a feeling we're setting up for a an end game type where like characters just start showing up like and to (laughs) take down whatever back and she's all yeah back they're bringing back yeah yeah, they're bringing back people from part two they're bringing back ja rule like (laughs) god you know what i do have to speak in 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 that vein uh fucking i was so happy to see shay wiggum back (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) with a fucked up nose prosthetic because he got his nose (laughs) broken in four or whatever (laughs) that was was fucking beautiful (laughs) so good but like Um, no i I, that's very interesting and honestly like full mustache twirling scenery chewing kurt russell as a villain in the final one would be so good and i it's it's so good a lot like your thoughts on uh on them bringing the hobbs and shawness into bringing han back that i'm almost convinced that it can't be true at this point yeah but like oh no it would be great (laughs) i'm totally down for everything you said um i think those are the big well i had a couple other little things real quick and then we can move on to black widow sure we've been going long here um I want the the flashback stuff worked for me. I liked because it was a little bit back to basics. I think the disconnect mm-hmm. I have is Vin and Cena are such stoic, like granite granite faced people. Like looking at them, that like it's tough for me to buy a lot of the time, like emotion coming from them. Um, so so that stuff mixed with the kind of younger, like the Fast and Furious younger stuff. Um, I, I don't know if it necessarily mixed for me. Uh, if it yeah, if it never really meshed for me, I should say. Um, the other thing is, I like I think Cena has his his strengths, and it looks like Suicide Squad. He's very good at playing kind of like a straight man and kind of a goof. Yeah, and I think Suicide Squad looks to be pl- taking advantage of that. When I when I'm asked to like buy him as well Dom's brother, and and I'm asked to buy like some sort of connection between those two people, I, it, he can't pull it off. And Vin is always tough to buy in that as well. Um, so I I don't know if that stuff worked for me completely. Yeah, I agree with you. And like even even kind of bridging your two last comments, like it's almost, it would be interesting to me. Like it almost would have been better if Dom's brother was somebody who was very diametrically opposite to him and not someone who's trying to be a carbon copy of him right right like like the the stoic like monolith of vin diesel being put up against another stoic monolith in in cena just doesn't really have that type of foil to it 
that I think would have really like juiced that relationship in this movie and the interactions between them and even some of the stuff of, of them when they were younger too. Um, but I also liked in the flashback stuff, like pointing out like, Hey, there's young Vince, there's young Jesse. And then I love when he met the Santos brothers in prison. Like that was a, yes. that was a great moment. That was very good. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I think the people that they got to play the younger versions of them were great. The guy who played young Vin, I think does a good job of being young Vin. And so, yeah, He's from the Mayans MC show. I think there's like the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Yeah. And the other dude is from that Animal Kingdom show, I believe. That's on TNT. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought they matched their counterparts well, but I do think that like, while I think John Cena in some form, like I think, I think I would prefer to have the Cena you're speaking of, which is probably what he'll turn into in the next two. But, like, I think almost as not a Toretto, but rather, you know, even if he was, like, a nobody stand, like, a, a new Mr. Nobody or something like that, which might be kind of typecasting him from, like, Transformers and whatever right. other shit. Yeah. So, I get it. But, um, yeah. I think I think they could have figured something out more between the dynamic between the two of them or the casting there to make it even better. I also cheered at the end when the Tokyo Drift crew got back together. That was so very, happy. it was very cool. I that wasn't was so thinking about that happening at all, but like, you know, yeah. and the fact that they could pull it off, <laughs> even though they're supposed to be high schoolers or whatever <laughs> the fuck. Yeah, no, it was, that was very good. Even like, what did you think? What did you think about the, uh, the leaving it open for Paul Walker to kind of still like Paul oh, Walker's still a fucking character in these movies. So this is tough. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought this up cause I kind of forgot about it. So uh, the, the explanation for him not being there is fine. I kind of give them a lot of rope when it comes to that character. Yeah. Because I, I like, I don't want them to kill, kill him off. I don't yeah. want them to kill Brian off, but like, I'm not sure I buy that he wouldn't join, but I give them, I give them, rope when it comes to explaining why he's not there he, he's the one that gets to be the babysitter <laughs> he's the babysitter in this yep so i i bought it enough the issue is then um mia goes along for yeah. the ride now too so and i get that too because she wants to be she wants to be in the movie so that's fine i uh, the ending I, it kind of scares me where they could go with some of the brian stuff so the yeah. ending is it's fine because it toes the line for me because when I see the car pull up I, and when I see Brian's car pull up, I go, oh, that's kind of, I mean, it's cool. It works. Yeah. But then part of me is like, I'm scared that they're going to do like some weird CG face yeah. thing yeah. Um, with his brother. Because I, I feel like it's something like Vin would push for specifically for some reason. And I feel like, yeah, because his brother did play him at the end of seven. Yes. Um, in some sh- in some scenes, they've kind of done it before. And I don't necessarily know if I want to see that at all. Like, I don't it that kind of stuff I'm uncomfortable with, like yeah. people who have passed um, being recreated in some ways. I mean, yeah. I'm not super comfortable with that. Yeah, I, I, you know, and that's that's the thing is like I do um, the Mia stuff like it was really nice to see Jordana Brewster back even mm-hmm. which i think was cool and like it makes sense given the story that like this is also her brother and john cena kind of showing up out of nowhere um right so i think they fit that in very naturally and i think it worked well with her um but yeah i think f- for paul walker like i don't know I, I i i got the same twinge of worry that you did but at the same time i think there's part of me that thinks they know that um 
that the most they would be able to do is something similar to what was done with the ending of seven. Yeah. But like for the final movie, right. You know, like Brian's probably gotta be there would be my guess, but I don't know in what form and how they're going to do it and how they could do it. Well, like it's going to be an insane trick. I almost would have liked if they saved this ending for whatever final movie they're doing. I think that may have worked better. I mean, for me at least than what they could do because you can't really do this ending a second time. You can't really have them just kind of pull up. So, yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. Um, cool. Any other thoughts? Uh, I have some real quick cause sure. we got to talk about corporate synergy and I, I will blow through these. I have some Peacock streaming ideas for oh, series yes, because they're part it. of universal. Um, this is a universal film and Peacock of course is tied in with universal. So, we need to know who the new DK is uh, from Tokyo Drift because um, there's a new DK, a new Drift King, I yeah. would assume. So I would like a series like just based around Tokyo Drift taking place in Tokyo to crown the new DK. I don't know. I guess Dom is the DK at the end of Tokyo Drift. I'm not sure. Technically, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to see. I just want a six issue series focused on that, kind of like these Marvel series. Um, I would like a Toretto's Garage series that's kind of kind of like a car restoration competition series. And then I want it host to be, I want it to be hosted by another like long lost Toretto that comes back. <laughs> Just like whoever they can afford to be, to, to show up, to be the host of this. That would be beautiful. Uh, we obviously have set up a young fast and furious, kind of like a young Indiana Jones where we can follow the adventures of the young doms. We are uh, like the young Dom and the young Letty. Yeah. Um, we already have that set up. The actors that played them are like, tv actors they have experience in in this kind of stuff so we can we can do a few seasons of that um i want a mia and letty kind of globe hopping series maybe like a travel log style show where they're just tracking down old characters that have disappeared from the fast movies so like uh the woman from part two i don't her name's escaping me but i want them to track down clant especially because oh, he's yes. missing i like to think he's in like hawaii or something and he's then working uh, with uh cole hauser on, yes uh, whatever's going on <laughs> So maybe like in the meantime, maybe that's how they explain these people coming uh, for the last couple of movies coming back is Beautiful. like me and Letty are traveling around globe hopping and bringing like Ja Rule back from the first <laughs> one. Um, cooking with Tej and Roman. I would like some sort of cooking competition show where Tej or Tyrese in character or excuse me, Roman in character judges them, uh, <laughs> judges these these dishes. And then Tej hosts is in in his garage. And then the last one, I would like another flashback uh style show like a days of thunder style show with michael rooker and the robert duvall uh role from that movie like yeah. we follow michael rooker as he and that actually doesn't even have to be a flashback because he still may be well no he's in mexico in this isn't he i guess there's probably racing in mexico so it's just, it would still work yeah that that was another thing i was gonna say this is this was kind of a waste of michael rooker really like a, I, a little I, bit if they're not going to do anything more with him yeah. yes that's true yeah like in the flashback stuff i think he was okay but he just doesn't get a whole lot to do so yeah no i'd be down to see some more michael rooker in the fast and furious universe right those are all great ideas tim I, i'm <laughs> down i would i would subscribe to peacock i would pay for peacock just to watch some of those so Good. That's what I'm here for is to get people on board with the the peacock. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? If there was any franchise that's not Marvel, I would think the Fast and Furious franchise would get there before DC would in terms of like, here's this large universe of different shows and shit that we're going to put online. Like, I I feel like they would pull it off. 
they've already got that animated series that I yeah. watched an episode of one time. It's like Dom's nephew or something. But I, I think uh, David Steele has watched quite a few with it with his his son and uh it's it was very kid oriented which is fine yeah but i was like i mean i i don't i don't have the time to just like until i have a child i don't have the time to myself just kind of sit down and watch three or four seasons of it i yeah. do but <laughs> but, but completely you're not going lying. To. yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> i get it i get it maybe there can be a young midwest film nerds episode where they review <laughs> where they review yeah <laughs> beautiful <laughs> Uh, all right. I think that Black wraps Widow. up thoughts on F9, the Fast Saga. Let's move on to Black Widow, directed by Kate Shortland. Shortland. Uh, the IMDb synopsis says, Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. They use a ledger in the... They, yeah. Okay. That yeah. says, says ledger right there. Okay. Um, and the cast includes Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Rachel Weisz, Ray Winstone, many other people. Um, so once again, we'll do some non-spoilery stuff, and then we'll move into spoilers. Um, yeah, Black Widow, long time coming. Uh, something that they had been supposedly trying to get off the ground for a while. Uh, apparently it took them 23 movies to be able to make a movie about one of the first female superheroes in their entire big cinematic universe. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, this wasn't really one that I was majorly looking forward to. I don't know, uh, how you felt about it, uh, before, before seeing it. I did not have a strong opinion either way on a black widow movie, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So what how did it how did you find it? Did you did you end up enjoying it more than you thought you would or or was it you know not not uh not worth checking out, not worth existing? What do you think? So I I didn't have really any expectations going in. I did not expect it to be good or bad. <laughs> like I just kind of it was uh uh, like my brother was like, "Hey, do you want to go see Black Widow tonight?" And it was a five dollar showing, and I said, "Hell yeah, let's do it!" <laughs> there <laughs> so, you go. <laughs> so I, I went, "Okay, I'm in." And um, I would say it it exceeded my whatever expectations I may have had. I had fun while watching it. I think um, it's a bit inconsequential at times. You kind of know where this is going if mm. you've seen the other movies. But what I liked about it, and what I tend to like sometimes in these Marvel movies, is when you don't have to remember much from 20 other movies like you can kind of just go in and say okay here's a black widow movie here's a movie about this character it also kind of made me wish that we had like four or five hulk movies and four or five iron man standalone movies or four or five captain america movies where we could just watch these characters take on their own rogues gallery and meet some of the some of the other characters in their universes so in that way um i very much enjoyed it but it is a bit it is a bit and yeah, inconsequential, I think, is probably the word I would use uh, for it. It's it's a fun... I had a fun time watching it. I liked quite a few of the characters. I thought it was a nice capper for Black Widow, who is a character I didn't. I don't really have any strong opinions on. I think Scarlett Johansson's good in the role, um, but it's not really a character that I, I have ever been super interested in, um, in the MCU uh, specifically. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, yeah. How about you? 
Yeah, so I didn't end up going to the theater. I I was I was like lazy and I was like I don't necessarily want to get spoiled on anything, not that I think there's going to be anything big to be spoiled on. So I ended up paying the $30 the Disney Plus, okay. Uh, to watch it on Disney Plus. Unfortunately, I was like, I was like, am I really going to spend thirty dollars to see one movie myself? Uh, but then, like the next day, my mom texted me, was like, I'm watching Black Widow. It's good. And I was like, Oh, okay. At least one other person is seeing it off of the thirty dollars that I spent. So that good. was that was good. But yeah, like I didn't really, I wasn't really looking forward to the movie. Didn't have very high expectations for it. What I will say is that I think it does a great job of introducing Florence Pugh's character, right. um, and I think they've really positioned her to be. Um, somebody important in the future uh you know there's a lot of these rumors about young avengers things going on or maybe like a thunderbolts type stuff or whatever could potentially be happening with that section of things i'm excited to see more of her because like honestly i think she gets she's very her character is very well written and i think that's something that black widow herself Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff has not really had the benefit of being extremely well written. Like the most it's, you, yeah. the most you really get out of her comes from like Endgame and maybe a little bit in Infinity War. And like, spoiler alert for everything else before this, because we need to put that out there. But like the fact that she dies in Endgame, like you wasted it all. You you, you forget to make her a real person until the final movie that she's in. It kind of sucks. It, it um, is, yeah, it is. It is especially tough with her because she's always been part of a, like an ensemble mm-hmm. a lot of the time too. So it's she hasn't gotten a ton of focus. Yeah, and you're right. She kind of she but kind of came in in that first Avengers movie out of yeah. Even like the times where she does get some focus, where like you look back at Age of Ultron, where it's basically just like, oh, that's she, the Hulk stuff, right? Yeah, she sees yeah. herself as a monster because she can't conceive of children, and that's why oh. she like. The, that the whole, really yep. gross stuff there that like this movie gets to comment on and really does it in like it's like a humor point here like i guess i might be getting into a little bit of spoiler but I, I don't even care like it kind of becomes a humor point here but you also get like the fact that it's this was written by uh at least story by jack schaefer and and some eric pearson looks like he's maybe the writer here but like even with this team of people this is like a very woman forward directed by a woman and main characters are women. And it's very much a story about like the subjugation of women by this country to make like a, a, a super spy force. Like, yeah. And there's some stuff. Yeah. When we talk about spoilers that I want to talk about there too, because I think there's some stuff it does actually, I think in that regard better than like Captain Marvel in yeah. some ways. So, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, we can, we can get there. Um, but yeah, it's, I just think, um, I think Florence Pugh's character of Yelena shows so much of like what Black Widow could have been that it's kind of good that they get this redo with her <laughs> to kind of be right. like, and I, you know, it sucks for Scarlett Johansson, but at the same time, you know, she, she got her money and stuff, but yeah, it certainly makes some of what was done with her character look really like, you know, disinterested in telling an actually good story with her. <laughs> and it's just kind of, right. it's a bummer. Um, in that respect, but overall about this movie itself, you know, I think there's a lot of fun action in it. I think David Harbor, David Harbor is a ton of fun as, uh, as Alexi. I think he does a great job. It's always nice to see Rachel Weiss and things. And, um, and you know, her, the, 
the family dynamic between the four of them, I think was really, really good. That stuff really worked for me. Um, and it wasn't really necessarily something that I was expecting out of this movie for some reason. Um, go ahead. No, I was, uh, I agreed. Sorry. Well, like when we're not in person, sometimes I like not along and then like something uh, just like escapes from my mouth or whatever. That's okay. <laughs> no, that works. That's- That'll be part of our mouth noises podcast. <laughs> yeah, for the for the ASMR tier of our of yes. our Patreon. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, other than that, like it, yeah, I think the one other thing that I will say and that you commented on as well is like it's interesting to see them. Um, you know, I thought a lot of the TV shows that they were going to be making were going to be these stories that don't necessarily further the the universal plot as much as focus on these characters. And I think you got a little bit of both of that in like WandaVision and um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Loki, obviously, maybe a bit of a different story that we'll save for another time. But like the fact that this movie gets to kind of go backwards and just be about her and in this sliver of time that connects with stories on either side of it that we're already aware of it's kind of fun and reminds me a lot of this feels very comic booky in some ways and like the this is a story that we're going back to tell because there's yeah. space here right kind so, of like a, like a six issue miniseries off yeah. from yeah for sure so it's fun that they're figuring out a way to tell those also on the big screen and not just on the tv series and i hope maybe the success of this movie shows them that like it's a weird balance that they have to play because if you think about things like Iron Man two, where it was like, yes, this is an Iron Man story, but we're fully loading it with stuff to push forward in our cinematic universe. And like people really hit that movie for that reason. But then also there might be things like black widow come out and it's like, well, it doesn't really drive that full plot forward. Um, There's just little bits and pieces here that are going to hook into stuff that's coming up. I think they've made this weird, like, expectation of, like, how much is this thing that I'm watching going to push everything forward, or is it just a story that I need to appreciate for what it is? Right. And uh, and I think it's an interesting problem that they've kind of stumbled, in, stumbled into. So, uh, any other non-spoilery thoughts? Uh, no, let's spoil it a little bit. All right. Spoilers for Black Widow happen now. Um. The one thing that I think Nick would talk about if he was on here is the kind of the somewhat waste of Taskmaster. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I actually have. Yeah, I have this in my notes, too. I don't know enough about Taskmaster to be like super disappointed in this, but I was going to mention a lot of people are disappointed in the treatment of Taskmaster. Yeah, I think they made her fit into the fact that it's this, you know, girl that Natasha thought she killed to you know, further her own needs and kill Dreykov, basically Ray Winstone, who like, you know, whatever, but, <laughs> um, uh, Taskmaster, I think had a lot of, um, potential in some people's eyes. And I know Nick, there was this one, I can't remember the name of it, but one of the few comics that I have actually read is this, like, I can't remember how many issues it is or what it is, but it's basically just a Taskmaster trade and it's, this story that kind of it feels very memento-y for 
for Taskmaster. And it's like an interesting, okay. like, I think Nick always saw, like, Guy Pierce would make a cool Taskmaster because of the memento connection in this, like, in this comic. So there's a lot of, like, cool identity stuff that you can do with Taskmaster. And in the respect of this movie and what it does with Taskmaster, it's kind of like, well, we used it for something else. But, yeah, like you said, it's not. I don't have like a great reference for Taskmaster, but I know that like if Nick were on here, this this would be the thing that he would probably <laughs> be most disappointed <laughs> about in this movie. In Taskmaster, yeah, no, I get it, and because I went on, yeah, I went on to read some reactions to the movie, and a lot of a lot of uh, reactions from the superhero going or or the superhero fandom or certain sections of it were were a little bit let down by the Taskmaster stuff, and I went, oh yeah, I guess I don't really. They have a big opinion I, on that. Either. I get where they're coming from, but also like, you know, who knows? Yes. They could be like, well, this is the real taskmaster or something like, you know, they're, they'll figure something out. Like, I, I have learned to, I, I have learned from my sins. I've from, uh, cause of the Wanda and the Wiener stuff or whatever his name is. What's his name in that? Uh, Quicksilver. Boner. What's Evan Ralph Peter's Boner. Name? Ralph Boner. I called him Wiener. I couldn't remember. <laughs> Close enough. It got me. There, I learned so. from Ralph Boner, and then when I was I was bashing Mandarin fans from Iron Man Three, I'm like, "Why don't you get over it? Mandarin <laughs> sucks." And then I get an X Men, and they turn him into Ralph Boner. I have learned that. Hey, listen, I get it, guys. I, I'm not going to. I'm well, just telling you. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying is like it's weird where Marvel chooses to kind of use things as red herrings here because, like, yeah, Mandarin kind of was a wet fart for a lot of people. I happen yeah. to love that twist for a lot of <laughs> reasons, but yeah, uh, but there's no way he's not going to be in Shang-Chi. Right. You know? So like it's, they kind of have this like, and comics can do whatever they want. They can kind of retcon it in different directions and things. And I think, you know, if they at some point wanted to be like, Hey, this is the real taskmaster or something, they could figure it out if they wanted to. And they probably will. But anyway, right. Um, I guess to build off of maybe the villain stuff. Yeah. Ray Winstone is the villain in this and he's, I, he's Ray Winstone as a villain. There's a hilarious, uh, like Photoshop at the, be- at the beginning of him and Bill Clinton. I think it's a Photoshop. I don't know. Ray Winstone may have like hung out with Bill at some point. <laughs> it was just touched up for makeup yeah. for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is, so this is kind of what I was talking about. Cause you're right. It does. It is kind of focused on him. And he's a Bond villain, and it's like one of those own Bond villains who builds his army of like super women to take mm-hmm. out James Bond. And it is kind of yeah, deconstructing that Bond villain thing and talk, talking about these kind of this kind of gross old man taking away agency from these women and all of these things. And I do think it's I think it's what I was talking about with Captain Marvel is like it doesn't it doesn't like drop. I'm just a girl from no doubt over top of it. <laughs> like there's no needle drop of just a girl. Like it's just it's just pounding this theme home at the end which i i preferred yeah uh to that in a lot of ways but what i want to say though is like it's been like 40 years since a bond villain has done this i want you to know so they're like deconstruct <laughs> they're critiquing something that hasn't been done in a really long time by the bond <laughs> franchise and they're doing it they're specifically referencing the bond franchise because she's watching moonraker and quoting along with it so i know what they're doing they're referencing bond they're holding up bond as an example of this type of villain and this type of man and i just want you, want to tell these people or i want to tell the mcu fans or maybe the mcu in particular like hey some of our franchises are a little bit more progressive than yours we've moved on from this the bond franchise i I guess is just a little bit more progressive than the mcu that's stuck in the stuck in the 70s (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, what I, you can't even really say that much to it because, like I said, like they took them so long. Like, wh- I don't know. Like the fact that it took twenty movies to get to here's Black Widow's solo film. It's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, she had why been were pu- you like Scarlett had been pushing for this for a while? Scarlett Johansson, correct? Like she yeah. Had been, yeah. Like for a long time. And so like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting that like, we're kind of getting to this point now. I, and I guess like the momentum that they built in those first 20 movies towards this thing that is Thanos, like is very much has something to say of it, but like, it's not like we didn't take detours and like, here's Ant-Man and check out, right. Check out, you know, like, so I don't know. There's not a whole lot of room in my, you know, understanding. Well, especially when they got, I mean, DC is kind of their competitor and they got beat to the punch by a few years. I think both yeah. of them, I mean, by Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's the thing. I do, I do appreciate that this movie, like, I, it may be the fact that I am not as big a Bond fan as you. It didn't bother me as much. <laughs> no, like I know you're kind of jokingly and coyingly like kind of pointing at that, but like at the same time, I think um, it's nice that this is a movie that is a big blockbuster that is doing that deconstruction because right. it's not necessarily something you would see in those movies. Right. Like, yes, sure. you do get the progressiveness of some of these other franchises and things like that. Fucking fast and furious. Like we just talked about great cast of multicultural people and many genders like it's all like they're pushing something forward by doing that but the fact that this yes. movie like takes some time to and, examine uh, and that, that was kind of it's good yeah and on the positive side and i was yeah kind of joking around but i didn't feel like you can sometimes beat people over the head with that too and i think when you beat people over the head with that it causes the opposite reaction of what is intended and i did yes. not think that this movie did this i thought it was i thought it was smart in the way it did it so i i appreciated that for it so speaking of beating in the head uh bashing your head <laughs> against the table to beat the villain is uh interesting i don't really know that i loved it that much but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that kind of goes along too with what you were saying black widow to me is the this is kind of one of those movies where like the lead characters is the like the least interesting yep. to me of like the the family dynamic like you said the other trio like i would love to watch a movie with that with those other three people based around like florence Pugh's character as the lead and then the other two kind of backing her up as kind of like a team thing yeah um because that this movie seems much more interested in the side characters to me and i think it's by design in a lot of ways because of the way they're moving forward but yeah mm-hmm. her bashing her head at the end it was a little bit (laughs) it was a little bit much yeah you're right um i do think that like in a lot of ways like the movie's very much about like the family family you you're born with versus the family that you choose to keep oh oh a lot like uh some fast and the furious films Um, which I think is a theme that works really well. And, right. um, but also like, I think it's nice that the, that black widow as a character gets this moment to really, um, you know, they, they, they do, re- you, you mentioned the part about the ledger at the, at, in the, in the synopsis. I think there's a line in the Avengers where she talks about having too much red on her ledger red. or something like that. Right. And so yes. like. The fact that it all kind of tracks back to this moment where she's going to kill Dracov's daughter to try and kill him. Um, and that she was maybe hung up on that, I think. And is one of the things that kind of like maybe felt 
like she uh she couldn't really be a hero because of these terrible things she'd done in her past like the fact that this movie kind of lets her start to make amends for that and like she gets to you know she's the one that gets to awaken the daughter from being taskmaster basically like things like that I don't know that it all comes together in a neat bow and that I love where it left everything, but it's nice that you get some depth on the character that doesn't have a lot of depth to on, on the screen, at least to actually. Yeah. Explore. The monster line would make more sense if it was applied to her killing the kid. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. not having the ability to conceive a child. Yes. I, yes. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. So maybe in my head, that's what I'll just do from now on. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, some <laughs> headcanon there. Um, trying to think if there's anything else to really hit on. I wanted to talk a little bit about the. I didn't. The action was. I didn't think the action was particularly great in this movie, and it's been something throughout the Marvel scenes where I don't find. I find moments in them like exciting particularly in like the crossover movies like Endgame, mm-hmm. but I don't find like the action sequences very, very like imaginative or even just exciting to watch a lot of the time. And there were bits of it. It didn't kill the movie for me, but I was, it did like to try Cause I was trying to think of like the last standout action sequence or any in like the MCU. And I don't remember a ton of them off the top of my head. I like some of the stuff from, the the Ed Norton Hulk a lot mm. as far as how shot and I think there's some in um, Winter Soldier there's that elevator scene that I think is quite good but other yeah. than that I think I, I like the Iron Man 3 the Bond siege thing yeah. from the, the end of that I think that's really clever and fun but it's not a huge deal because I think they nail the moments and oh and you know honestly there's some stuff in the Avengers uh, but even that is built around like big moments like the Hulk hulking out yeah I, they, they don't feel like cohesive like scenes that kind of come together and those uh, the way a great action scene does and it doesn't kill the movies for me but i'm if like if this is something that's a problem with shang chi it's really going to hurt that movie for me yeah no that makes a lot of sense like so hope yeah yeah they they certainly have like in in the function of what shang chi as a character is like promising you i think you're right i think i think they need to do something different there and and maybe they'll have the room to do it finally i don't know like you know, you guys gave me a lot of shit back in the day when I said in a post-Haywire world <laughs> that, um, you know, the Paul Greengrass shaky cam isn't really going to fly for me anymore. And it still yeah. reigns true. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I really, yeah. I, I like the, um, and, you know, I was maybe a little tired when I started watching the movie. I did end up watching it spread over two days, so I might be a parent and I don't even know it. But um, <laughs> the, I liked the first Taskmaster fight on the bridge quite a bit. Not not enough to like call oh, it a favorite, okay. like you're saying. Like you know the the it's it's no it's no elevator scene with Captain America, absolutely. But I enjoyed that fight in a lot of ways because I feel like and seeing some of the Taskmaster stuff in this movie was fun because it felt like they did a good job of even hearkening it back to like Taskmaster's whole thing is like he can mirror you and also like learns the way other people fight. And so picking out the bits and pieces of the Avengers from Taskmaster's fighting was kind of cool, and I really liked that. But I, I I can't, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Like, I think there's this very kind of disposable feeling about a lot of this action that, like, it, it doesn't really stand out that much. Like, I did really love in Haywire watching the two people that were in the movie fight 
and actually fight. Yeah. And that was really nice. And so, like, you know, it would be nice to start to get back to that. And I think that's some of what Shang-Chi's promise might bring. Um, but I think you're right. It really depends. We'll have to see what they do with that movie. Uh, I, the other thing, too, is David Harbour and Florence Pugh's accents are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew it wasn't really going to work out well from the beginning, so I didn't try to pay attention to it at all, but yes. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I guess they they set up um, they set up Hawkeye a little bit in the post-credit scene. Yep. Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who was really grating on me, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the point, but she's really annoying me. I, don't I think know they literally hired her for that reason, like for what, for yeah. what you're grating against, basically, which is like... <laughs> Oof, <laughs> Tim, you're in for some rough times in the MCU here. <laughs> just, but uh, Yeah, the few times she showed up, I'm just like, oh, God, shut up, shut up. Like, it's, like when she's blowing her nose, I'm like, oh, that's, that's inconsiderate, that's rude. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, no, I don't know. It'll be they, real yeah. curious to see what they do with her and what this is actually building towards. Um, and they might set up Red Hulk a little bit with John Hurt's character, because he looks sickly in this, and that's kind of how Red Hulk starts if i recall okay. correctly so yeah, that might make be sense so maybe that's a she hulk thing i don't know but yeah i don't know i think there's a lot of tendrils going on here i think there were some people wondering if uh you know because of the john walker stuff she talks about how things are about to get weird whether or not she's gonna be like a like a secret wars person secret avengers oh secret, secret wars avengers. that's right yeah, yeah. Or even like a i know like the thunderbolts with like abomination coming back as well from the shang chi trailer if people weren't aware of that you're um, right because she's basically turned into nick fury yeah was early on yes okay absolutely that's kind of they're using her in a similar way for that type of thing but what team it's actually building to and what they're going to be doing i don't it's too early to tell right so gotcha um yeah i don't know if there's anything else big to comment on you know like it it uh it's interesting that like this came out as loki is ending because loki feels like such a huge push loki feels like it's setting up it is the next phase yeah i'm so very curious if they'll ever really talk about what happened with these because like these shows were not meant to come out this way before all of these other movies that were. And, like, there were rumors that, like, some of the Julia Louis-Dreyfus stuff was added to um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because we were meant to see her here first, so they took some stuff out of the post-credits in this. And then also there's some thoughts. I think Joanna Robinson from uh, Vanity Fair and Still Watching Podcast was talking about how um, there may have been a late pivot to include uh, more of a character that gets introduced in the finale of Loki, given that things have been kind of pushed around, like maybe he wasn't that big of a part of it. Um, oh, okay. I could see that, too. Yeah. So, like, you know, like... I don't know. It it seems I'm wondering how much they're capitalizing on this reshuffling of things and if like, you know, cuz I feel like Loki has some big implications for what Doctor Strange is going to be but was also supposed to come out after Doctor Strange, I think. So, I don't know. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's what like the original timeline of things was and clearly it's not the case anymore. There's a lot more time before uh, Doctor Strange is going to come Was that out. the timeline before COVID or was that the timeline? 
Yes. Way back. Okay. That was, well, and I'm pretty, I'm, uh, I don't know. That's the thing. I guess I should maybe take a look and see how things might have shifted around even before COVID destroyed right. whatever plans they had. But, um, yeah. So what do we have? Because this doesn't set up really much other than those things. But though, I think the stuff it sets up is going to be down the road. Well, no, Hawkeye, I guess. So Hawkeye is what, does, late yeah. this year. Uh, I believe Hawkeye will be coming in somewhat of the fall. Uh, I think What If is actually the first, uh, the next TV series that's going to hit. Okay. Um, I'm pulling stuff up right now, so pardon me. So, yeah, What If will be the next Disney Plus show, and then we have Spider-Man and Doctor Strange coming. Oh, Shang-Chi, obviously. Yes. uh, I'm curious how that plays a role, if at all really and what's going on so the um yeah man it's really hard there's like several different fucking wikipedia articles on this so what's going on right now black widow just came out shane cheese scheduled for september 3rd the eternals is scheduled for november 5th and then spider-man is scheduled for december 17th so there's three more movies coming out this year okay at least right now uh i don't know if spider-man will get bumped or what but um spider-man's done filming correct yes i believe and so. i think dr strange is also finished it's pretty much done up. close okay. to it i think they were in the process of filming thor love and thunder uh okay dr strange is is march 25th 2022 thor love and thunder is may 6th black panther is july 8th and then the marvels is november 11th fucking four movies per year jesus <laughs> Uh, and that's the thing is like the other thing i guess i wanted to talk about real quick about black widow was the box office because it didn't seem to affect it that much the release strategy and i think it probably made them more money yes because didn't they they still made 80 million in the theater and i can't imagine maybe they could have made on that opening weekend maybe they could have made 90 or 100 but i don't know i kind of think that was where it was around what it would be anyway right yeah i mean yeah that's the thing it's like it doesn't like maybe there was a little bit of a covid hit but it's not like this was going to be end game level of money on the opening weekend right right and i think what did they say like 60 million in terms of the disney plus people um that's yeah so they added and so they're basically getting people uh the people that are going to go see it in the theater are going to go see it in theater and now they're getting people that are going to stay home or maybe have like younger kids that want to watch this at home or just maybe want to stay home and so they're getting that money too opening weekend immediately so, yeah so, and, 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 and they make they keep more of it right because they're not giving any to the theaters um and they're probably because you have to subscribe to disney plus to order that right yes yep Yep. So they're getting subs- potential subscribers down the road. Yes. So, like, yeah, I don't see them going away from the theatrical model, like, soon or slowing down too much soon because they've, they're still making a ton of money this way. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And I think it's been the same. It's probably been the same with Cruel- Cruella and a couple of their other ones. So, yeah. No, I I think uh, I think they've stumbled into a pretty <laughs> pretty weird and a uh, good uh, model I, for them, but it, I think it helps too with something like Disney that is kind of ge- a lot of their stuff is geared towards families anyway, mm-hmm. and you've got the Marvel stuff that attracts a lot of younger people to the theater, so I think it helps with them sometimes with like stuff like HBO Max where it's just it's kind of random on what it puts on there, yeah, like it doesn't have a consistent like I think it, I think it works 
that model kind of works really well for Disney in particular, probably. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's weird out there <laughs> to see. Uh, to comment on the TVs real quick, the TV shows that yeah. are coming. Oh yeah. Um. So according to Wikipedia right now, what if is coming August eleventh? Um, which is also going to be interesting given recent Loki events. Uh, what the show is really going to be? Ah, uh, yeah. Um. So that's kind of cool. Um. And then. We still have, according to Wikipedia right now, anyway, Miss Marvel scheduled for late 2021 and Hawkeye is scheduled for late 2021. I knew Hawkeye. I didn't know Miss Marvel was going to be this year. So I think the thing is, and this is maybe spoilery in terms of like what we've heard of casting. Um, I don't know if I'm right here, though. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Well, we're going into the, isn't it called Marvel's? Uh, or, yeah, I believe the the Captain, Captain Marvel sequel is being called The Marvels. It was retitled. The Marvels. Okay. Um, but I was going to say something about... Let me see if I can see it here. Uh, yeah, I don't think I see anything officially here. There's somebody who could be popping up in um, Spider-Man that might be Miss Marvel related. Okay. If I recall correctly, I might be completely wrong about that. I don't know enough about all these comic book characters to know for sure. The other thing, yeah, this current phase and Black Widow included has done is like kind of set up the next generation of yes. taking over for the main characters whose contracts are coming up or whatever. Yep. So th- that's another thing I thought Black Widow did well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I think that is enough for this episode of the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. Thank you, Tim, for taking the time to discuss these two large blockbusters with me. Uh, Absolutely. It was fun. It was. Um, Next time, maybe we can talk some Loki. Uh, I need to, I want to, we probably could have talked about it today if we wanted to really cram things in, but I I think, uh, I think Willie also enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll try and see if we can get him. It's been a while since Willie's been on, so we need to get Willie in here. Um, but, uh, so look for that probably in August at this point, I would assume. Um, yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, more horror movie yearbook coming down the line and uh, and also Midwest Game Nerds as well. Uh, thank you guys for your patience and our release schedule here. Obviously, we're doing what we can to get together and talk about movies, uh, given people's schedules and everything going on right now. So um, patreon.com slash midwestpodnet or mpn.bz slash patreon. Please go check it out. You can get access, early access to Tiny Terrors from Horror Movie Yearbook or MGMP side quests. Uh, you get almost immediate access after the normal episode is released. We put those out in case you cannot be bothered to wait a week to hear John and Brian and I talk about food. <laughs> Pretty much that's it. And uh, you guys have been, I've been noticing on the feed of like, oh, this uh, it's been very food related. You guys are hungry. It's basically mm-hmm. John. John wants a show called Midwest Food Dudes, and that's basically what the side quests have become. It's, so, uh, okay, uh, it's yeah. very it's for fans of Roman Pierce, yes. who are also hungry. Yeah, I, I think Roman Pierce would enjoy the MGMP side quests as of <laughs> late. Uh, and uh, yeah, but then you and Willie do a good job of keeping. I, I think I think it's it's great that you guys take the opportunity to talk about stuff other than horror movies sometimes because I think yeah. that's what people would like out of a bonus episode. But I feel like you guys do a better job of keeping it horror adjacent, <laughs> where we're just like, no, 
we want to talk about these fucking Oreos that we just ate or some shit like that. So, but here's, yeah, here's the thing is we're, yeah, we're, we're going, you guys are trying to get a new, like a completely new audience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's probably, maybe where there's some like food aficionado, some foodies out there that just follow the side quests and they don't download the main episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I can never talk about food because like, basically I'm the type of person who gets hungry and just eats what, just shovels in whatever he can find (laughs) so that he doesn't feel like he's going to die. And then I move on. Like you guys, you guys, you know, your food. Well, yeah. Yeah, but pretty much every episode ends with us being like, God, I'm fucking hungry. We need to be done with this. So (laughs) anyway, I think that's about it. Kyle XY, go watch a movie.